This is Design School. Well, Terry Marks, thank you for joining us here for This is Design School. We're really excited to have you. Yes, thank you. I'm excited to be here because I didn't go to design school. So, well, this is uh, think of this as your uh, as your chance to uh, graduate from uh, within 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you could sell a lot of those. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, one thing we wanted to start out with was you know knowing where did you start? How did you get in design? How did you find design? Especially, you know, it, it's really a corny story. A yeah, completely corny story. Um, when I went to PLU, I went for a few reasons. I knew it was a good school. Uh, I knew the liberal arts education was interesting to me. Uh, I ignored art for the most part in college, taking things that I thought would be more important, college English, chemistry, all that good stuff. And uh, so I was taking life drawing and all these things, and I thought I was gonna be an art major. And my first meeting with my advisor, I didn't, I, you know, I'm a freshman, I don't know what I'm doing. And he says, so what do you wanna do? And I knew I wanted to do something with art, but I also wanted to eat. <laughs> so I thought, and the only words that came out of my, I could conjure to come out of my mouth were commercial art. And he goes, okay, one, that's not art. Two, you're going to starve. And so immediately I thought, okay, I'll go pre-med. And I was there for about a year and a half, but I kept taking art classes. And, uh, I walked onto the football team, which is another reason I went to PLU, because I thought, I'm not done playing sports. And because this massive height I have, you know, at 5'7", on a good day, I thought football would be a good application of it. So I ended up playing there, and I played my, uh, you know, redshirted, played my five years, and uh, I could have graduated. I ended up getting a degree in uh, communications, emphasizing PR, and mostly because <laughs> my fourth year, the uh, admin office called me and told me if I don't declare a major, I'm getting kicked out of school. So <laughs> I thought, okay, I could do that. But I looked at everything, and uh, I realized that if I stayed an extra semester, I could also get a BA in art. And I was really interested in that. And uh, while doing some PR projects, you know, I was a guy who was, I'll, I'll take care of the brochures and the logo for the Plum Commission or whatever we were. And so I just hand drew them, and, you know, teacher was blown away. And one of my buddies said, you should look at graphic design. I didn't even know what it was. Uh, fast forward a couple months later, I'm, I'm in the library studying. I'm bored. It's too hot in there. So I'm walking <laughs> around looking at magazines. And I ran across Communication Arts Magazine. And it happened to be the, the uh, design annual. And if you know Communication Arts, and everyone listening does, it's the tome of the industry. I picked it up. And I was just blown away. I was like, oh, my God. I was just so compelled. I thought, that's fantastic. It just made sense to me. And I wanted to look at them. And this is a bad thing to say to PLU students. But, you know, you can't check those out. Those stay in the library. I stuffed them in my backpack. I walked up to the scanners. I threw it <laughs> outside the scanner to hit the doors out front, picked it up on the way out, and brought them back the next day. <laughs> I'm a bad man. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, you know, you brought it back, so. That's what I'm saying now. Yeah. No, um. I brought it back. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that was the introduction to design. And uh, all the while, I'd done things that were in the realm of graphic design. Mm -hmm. And I thought, uh, 
I need to do something about this. So I um, substituted a sculpture class for my Bachelor of Arts degree for art for the upper level graphic design class. Through the course of that, I actually did okay in it. I think we like did one paste up, a paste up. And uh, I got recommended for an internship at a design studio in downtown Tacoma. And before I graduated, they offered me a job. And I thought, how do I say no? Wow. You make it sound so easy. It is easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I didn't try or do anything. Well, no, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of work in between all those sentences that happen, I'm sure, yeah. That, that's the 30-second uh, version of, uh, of a long uh, history of uh, design. And, um, and so where are you now? Well, it's a really interesting thing. I've been doing this for a while. I think uh, for about 15 seconds, I was associated with Seattle in a greater way um, with the world of graphic design. I was on the AIGA board for eight or nine years. I still advise. For 20 years, I've been working on a project called the LINK Program, which is under the umbrella of AIGA Seattle. And we work with high school students uh, from about seven or eight different high schools around Seattle. And it's about uh, encouraging them, creating self-esteem, and inspiring them. Uh, speaking of Communication Arts Magazine, their foundation, the COIN Foundation, has given us, uh, awarded us a grant of $50,000 uh, a year for the last 18 years, which allows us to award $25,000 a year in scholarships. We do portfolio workshops. It's really a mentoring program. It's, it's been a fantastic thing. And uh, we're at the point where we have former students now leading the program. So I think we're doing something right. So uh, I'm still really involved in design in a lot of ways. And uh, of course, I, <laughs> that's how I eat. <laughs> <laughs> and in addition to that, there's a thing called Design Family Reunion. I've coordinated a couple times with Matt Porter from Atlanta. And mm -hmm. it really has been, instead of creating yet another conference, uh, I would say it's for people of a certain age or to creatives of a certain age, people have, who have done a lot of different things and had some accomplishment and ran into like-minded people along the way. So instead of creating a, a conference to compete with conferences, we created a getaway for a couple of days. And we did it in Monterey one year. We did it in Santa Fe uh, last year. And it, it was fantastic. And mm -hmm. It was, we did everything from yoga to horseback riding to hikes to Aikido to stop motion animation to painting. And every evening, a great get together, be it a party uh, at, at a house with a mariachi band and a taco truck to um, whatever it is. It's been great. And we're talking about doing it uh, again, not next year, but in 2017 and injecting some more purpose into it because we're all involved in some nonprofit exercises and maybe turning it into an incubator for a specific project, be it uh, supporting a nonprofit with our talents and using that as a two-day charrette and then creating some things, or maybe turning our focus at the LINK program and seeing how to, is it time to expand that? Is it, how do we inject more cash into it so we can create some longevity? How to create some more structure so that it reaches more students? We'll figure that out. Yeah. But as, as far as professionally, I've always had full-time employees, and for the last year I haven't. And it's really weird. And I, th I, thought I thought I'd do this when I was old, like me and my office manager. And, you know, <laughs> everyone has a, a network. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so just like everybody, you have coders and developers and, and shooters and production people and more designers when you need them. But I got to a point where I, I honestly had a couple clients one year say in the contract 
I'd like you to state that if you get sick or die, our contract is null. And I was shocked. <laughs> but it told me what I suspected all along is that um, it's a boutique. Even when there were six or seven people, it's a boutique firm. Yeah. And they're coming because of me. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, when things had changed, I'd leaned in with a client a couple of years ago. They gave me an equity position. I was a partner. And it just it just wasn't a fit for me. So I decided to leave. And everything's good with them. But I decided to to maybe keep it simple because I think that opens up other opportunities. It's This is a long story. I haven't figured out how to tell people this. Yeah. You know, what are you doing now? Well, I'm still consulting. We're doing graphic design. We do a lot of online. We do film projects when it makes sense. We end up doing a lot of writing. There's one client where... <laughs> Before they send anything out, it's like, will you rewrite this? <laughs> well, I don't want you to write. I want you to rewrite this because for whatever reason, they like the flavor that I do it. And uh, fine, I don't want to write client copy. Yeah. I want to write my own copy. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it, I'm in a weird place because we have, I have uh, some history, some chutzpah um, from past things we've done and mostly relationships and connections mm-hmm. with people who understand what we can really do. Uh, there are clients or people that you work with will ever forever think of you as the guy who makes pretty little things that do X, a really small portion of what you're capable of. Yeah. And other people who really understand the breadth of what you can do. Those are your clients. And thankfully, I've got a, a number of those. So. And do you, um, have you found yourself lately gravitating to finding more of those, those clients or to keeping that pool smaller now that you have the huspa, now that you have the the notoriety well notoriety is a funny thing you know uh everyone's familiar with the idea of 15 minutes that you have 15 minutes everyone's gonna have 15 minutes of fame the backside of that is when you're not in the cusp of that you might have nothing and so uh there's the idea of relevancy a word that was mentioned earlier and i think relevancy um maybe has two faces one is really knowing what you're doing uh, in a way that fits what's needed in the world today. Um, be it as it may, design is a service business. It really is. Um, there are some superstar designers who can say, you have to wait six months, and I'd like to take out you know, a second mortgage on your home so you can pay for this, right? That sort of thing. Um, and the other is you, know, you need to be responsive. You need to be nimble, and you have to be able to execute things in a way that's meaningful, in the world today and really meaningful for the client to connect to who they have to connect to. So those are the two points of relevancy. And if, and if you live in a bubble and you just, like so many people who are truly artists want to go to their studio, want to get to their place and just make things, fantastic, it's beautiful. But if you're not connecting with people, you'll lose relevancy regardless of how many skills you have. Have you found, um, now that you're working a little bit more independently and with a lot less structure, has that become more challenging, or has it actually been easier? Uh, I would say both in different ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are things that I I get to do now that I never used to get to do that I'd really rather not. (laughs) But that doesn't compare with the the number of things that I... I get to spend more time on the things I think are valuable. Mm -hmm. It seems like every client we work with where we're talking about, I don't care if it's about uh, developing a new brand for them or just merely a logo or their mission statement, almost all of them say, I feel like I'm in counseling and that you're my counselor because you have to get under their skin in a way that really invokes trust and gets to truth. 
And for whatever reason, I seem to be able to have an, an easy time doing that. And I get to spend time making those connections. And that makes the relationship strong, and I think it really helps the product. Uh, I, I get to spend more time doing that. And I get to be a little bit more picky. I don't have to <laughs> say, well, you know what? That, that might make me want to jab a fork into my eye, but the studio needs the revenue. I don't, I don't really have to do that anymore. I, I really get to work with people we like. And it's it's a luxury. I'm thinking about at PLU at least the students having to do a capstone presentation, and part of the capstone presentation is explaining how they got to the project that they ended up doing, and then at the end defending any sort of decisions that they had to make. Have you found throughout the years that working with younger designers have you seen that that work from what we do in the classroom with teaching them how to uh, handle a critique how to give a critique how to how to speak to a client has that been uh, useful or are we still lacking in in preparing them toughing them up or what have you well, you know, that's an interesting thing because there are fair critiques and there are non-fair critiques, and we've all been subject to and participated in both. And there's always those weird esoteric ones. And Isn't it funny in a critique, somebody always says juxtaposition. I, it just kills me. Just when that word comes, I check out. But <laughs> I prefer dichotomy. <laughs> well, the dichotomy of what we're seeing here is that some people have a natural ability to speak. And they're able to remove their personal uh, sense of self-worth being at threat or being threatened from the situation. That's when someone can talk about their work and evaluate work uh, more objectively. It's never purely objective because it's still your work. Um, those who let themselves be too close to this thing that they've created have a more difficult time. And I think it's the same as being able to speak in public is that you look at what is necessary for the situation rather than, I spent 400 hours on this, and this is my baby, and I love it. And we all know that the sad, sad truth that sometimes someone spends 400 hours on something, and somebody else spent five minutes, and the five-minute one somehow is better. And it might be that they were incubating this subconsciously and just have a laser vision as to what the important, most cogent things were and executed it well very fast. And the 400 hours, they got so in the weeds and so muddy, they couldn't see the forest for the trees. And so there's two things at play there. That's the dichotomy. Anyway, um, <laughs> having skills to be able to discuss your work in a way that matters to the audience, it not only helps you sell your work, it helps you advance in your career and be able to win the seat at the right firms that you're looking at. Uh, I think it's it's... It's vital. There are so many incredibly talented people in the design world who will, <laughs> who will go to any length not to have to get up in front of people. And that creates a ceiling for them. And that's, it's too bad if they want to advance. And it's okay if they want to be able to do what they're doing at the moment. I remember, at least when I was an undergrad especially, was often a conversation at the table was feeling like we needed to find like a specific style or something we could hang our hat on that we could that would give us some consistency when we were going out to find employment do, is that something you feel young designers need to do i think the most important thing young designers need to do is show that they can 
uh, deliver work that is at a professional or even enterprise level. Mm-hmm. Um, every client's different. I mean, yeah. if, if you're doing beneficial dog food or whatever that company is versus um, the new Verizon logo, very, very different challenges. Yeah. Right? So very, very different voices. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, being able to employ something that uh, stylistically – the, the the biggest trap that young designers have is to do the flavor of the day. Yeah. Because as an experienced designer, you go, okay, that's well executed and it looks like everything I saw in last year's design annual. Mm-hmm. And show me something that shows some thought. Show me something that says your, your radar is up and you've seen the world and you've interpreted it through your own lens with really good typography, with an understanding of how to communicate and hierarchy. You know how to deal with photos and illustration. That's much more compelling than, wow, look at that really set style. Because actually, depending upon what that is, it's either great or that scares me because they feel like a one-trick pony. Mm -hmm. So when you are, because I've seen you do um, reality check, when you do see people with that talent or uh, expertise that is potential, how do you cultivate it? How do you encourage them? What is it that, that you give to them? In that short instance of reality check? Uh, sure, as an example. Uh, as an example there, I, I, would, I would probably make the most succinct and fine point comments that I could because it seems that they covered all the big bases already. And I would probably encourage them and tell them truthfully if, because I know I've said this, you know what, you, you've got it. You just need to keep doing what you're doing and you will find a job. And I would probably say the same thing that someone told me is don't let yourself ever get jaded because the minute you start letting a little bile into your work practice, it sullies everything. Yeah. And uh, I think that's true for anybody. Yeah, I have a colleague that says um, it only takes one apple to rotten the rest. Mm-hmm. It's true. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's amount of maybe a small degree of is, – is we always think we get smarter <laughs> – as we go along, I think you just get hit with new stuff, you know, and learn new lessons. And and that's fine. But uh, once you think you've arrived, you're done. It, it's over. You might as well get a new career. So, so have you arrived? Uh, gosh, no. I was just telling. I feel like uh, I, I'm trying to position myself, and this is part of the reason why I'm, I'm flying quite nearly solo right now. You know, I still have my office manager. And, but... Uh, it creates new opportunity. I'm trying to figure out what the next act is. And I have this, there's a phrase that I use, um, impending good. And I have this sense of impending good. I, th- I feel like something is about to pop. And in the meantime, I'm really enjoying the work and it's good. So thinking of second act, what about another book? Um, I always said I'll never write another design book because I think there are people who are better at it than me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've written a couple, two, three, something like that. Uh, I've never really said what I really wanted to say about design. Um, I think one of the most important things I could say is, uh, you know, there's so much stuff going, what do you think about the new Verizon logo? What do you think about the new Google logo? Mm -hmm. And to me, that's great, fine, you know. It's important to have those conversations. Pentagram does great work. People have reasons for doing what they do. I would say that the emperor has no clothes. (laughs) He is butt naked, sir. Because we we get so (laughs) self-involved in design which is, you know, any industry can do that. And I think it always has to make a difference to people, 
to has to positively affect life, you know, and uh, that's that's where my interest lies. And I'm, I might write more about that, and I might write more narrative stuff about that too. Probably the book I'm most pleased with, and actually a, a director and a DP are working on a short film version of it, is Mr. Crumbly Dreams a Tiger which is an allegory about fear and desire that was inspired by me reading some C.S. Lewis quote. Mm -hmm. um, Lewis says that, you know, if we consider the unblushing promises of heaven, uh, I would submit that our desires are not too great, but too weak. And we like children uh, playing with mud pies in a slum do so because we can't understand the offer of a holiday at sea. We desire too little. And Mr. Crumley's a story about a guy who has a very simple life, and then it's kind of invaded by bad dreams or fears, and it's his kind of figuring it out. And it looks like a children's book. Everyone thinks it's a children's book. Children love it, but it's really written to adults. And oh. so um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm really pleased. Looking back, I think it's about 10 years old now, mm -hmm. and I'm thinking about maybe writing another one or redesigning it myself and well, doing a second edition. But uh, that kind of stuff is, is compelling to me, too. Yeah. One thing I'm interested in is, I mean, it sounds like you do a lot of um, volunteering isn't the word, but using your skills for causes, especially it seems like you work a lot with kids or organizations that are uh, focused on children. Um, I like to work with people who are shorter than me, so it yeah. has to be kids for the <laughs> most part. Yeah. Uh, I guess one thing I've always been curious about is is how do you – balance that of like working with clients working for causes and then doing all these projects on the side and then home life you know like how, how do you feel like that's worked for you or you that's know? that's a really good question yeah. when i was single it was easy i yeah. just never slept <laughs> and you know we did everything it was fun it was mm -hmm. great um now that i'm uh, married and have a couple kids uh it's about how you slice the time, and yeah. there's a season for everything. I'm, I'm fortunate because my wife is a painter. She's a fine artist, and I introduced her to the Link program. She got interested. She became a volunteer, and she's currently <laughs> the administrator, so mm -hmm. I kind of get a free pass to spend <laughs> as much time as possible because that actually supports her. Yeah. Um, I've tried to pull back in my role in Link, I'm the old guy in the room, where it's so weird, it went overnight from the youngest guy in the room to the oldest guy in the room. And since we do have some just incredibly intelligent, smart, incisive volunteers who have a lot of skill, not just ar as artists, but as organizers, as uh, connectors in their own right, I'm trying to help, I'm trying to take a role where it's about um, really maintaining the spirit and the vision and trying not to occupy too much space about the specifics. Mm -hmm. um, because we have a network, if something falls through, yes, we can find an artist. We can figure out a workshop. We can get that done overnight if we have to. But I'm, I'm trying to give other people the stage, so that gives me a little bit more room. As far as the other volunteerism thing, um, it's it's making it work. I <laughs> This is so bizarre. I can't believe I'm this guy. I try to get to work by 6, not only because it allows me to leave really early and see my kids for dinner and, you know, be there for bath time and story time. Mm -hmm. But I also miss all the traffic, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is huge, because instead of a 12-minute commute, it could be an hour coming in in the morning, depending upon the time. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go for the 15 minutes yeah. in the morning. That's much better. Yeah. And I leave early before it gets thick. So um, that fits my level of impatience behind the wheel. 
and also opens up more time. So I've, I've done the strange thing. If I'm really busy or have extra stuff to do, I get up early instead of staying late because no one calls you at three in the morning. Mm-hmm. So thinking about the, um, as I called it, your third act, what are you, what are you hoping for in, in regards to either career-wise or um, um, work-wise, art-wise? What is it that you're hoping for? You know, that's, that's the most difficult question. I was telling Chad, I think uh, the best things blindside you when you're in the midst of doing what you think is the right thing at the time. I heard this great, um, I think it, just a definition. Um, someone was talking about, oh, you know, he's just, he's just blessed with whatever. And I thought, well, what does that mean, you know? <laughs> you just got all the, the goods and you now you're Superman. I, I don't know what that means. And they said, then I heard this uh, idea that the word blessed in, I think it's Hebrew, is a shar. And the, the specific meaning is to be on the right road. That is to be walking the path you're supposed to. That makes total sense to me. Um, I think I'm on the right path right now. I feel like I'm doing what I should be doing. Um, the hopes would be that I get to something that's more of an expressive art, and I don't know if that is visual or verbal or both. Um, I think it could take a lot of forms, and I also want to build something. And for years, it was always me with my studio. I, I've never been interested in creating a giant firm on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's going to be an interesting 10 or 15 years coming oh. up. <laughs> I think it's interesting. A lot of what you're talking or you've been talking about lately is how everything's going so well and how you're really optimistic for the future. It's because I'm a sucker. You're a sucker. Well, <laughs> I'm curious as you look back on your career, I'm curious to know maybe what the most challenging time was and what that looked like and how you got through it. Probably the most challenging time was after the dot bomb, you know, 2001, when mm-hmm. you went back to grad school, JP. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. We, things were so great. It was, I was having so much fun. And what I realized, and I, I knew it brought light to a, a couple things. One, we we're winning work. We were winning a lot of work. I don't think I was strategic enough about who we were approaching, mm-hmm. how we were winning the work or how we were charging for it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's part of you know, being younger. Um, I knew we were winning work on momentum and probably charm and personality fine if you're winning it not great in the long run i knew that i was hearing the footsteps of that and then everything just hit the fan i mean clients we'd done a ton of work with work we'd completed you know had done the work i think we probably lost between now easily about six figures in earned income in a quarter wow yeah it was interesting (laughs) and because we were such a family as as a firm Mm -hmm. i didn't let people go quickly enough I mean this is me critiquing myself from a business standpoint and quite honestly we went out and won probably $150,000 worth of new work I mean we were just on the train Mm -hmm. and very little of it materialized because as if you were practicing know that so many companies knew that they had to do things but were too afraid to spend the money yeah and so we got caught in this weird place that was probably the most difficult time because we had done quote unquote, everything right. Mm-hmm. Accountants, advisors, everybody said, no, you, 
there's nothing else you should be doing within the next year or two this is what's going to happen and then the world changed yeah the world changed yeah and you're not you're not in control of that and that was probably the most difficult time was that just an instance of clients not paying the bills or was it contracts being uh pulled out of or both both yeah yeah it, it was i'd never seen anything like it yeah. and what we didn't realize at the time is there was a lot of low-hanging fruit because the economy was great yeah and then everybody got scared. And the fact of the matter is, I don't care if it's the uh, stock market or the way companies uh, deal with their advertising, marketing, and design dollars. It's all about confidence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's where I kind of uh, slid into uh, nonprofits, smaller little odds and ends. And it's those things that build up, you know, one brick at a time. And uh, mm -hmm. eventually you have a house and mm -hmm. eventually you have a room and then a building and then moving forward like that yeah mm -hmm. every uh every career path is slightly different but uh, we all get to the same spot hopefully in communication arts <laughs> 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 have you ever been in communication arts yeah i think so yeah mm -hmm. yeah have you ever tried to go back to uh to plu and uh sneak a coffee of it Oh, <laughs> steal it from the library? Yeah, I was thinking of adding it to the library. Oh, I like... should. You know, I don't even know where my copies are. I just moved my storage unit, so I'm sure I'll unearth them soon. <laughs> uh, now, it, it, one of the, the people who has come to our uh, little reunion thing is Patrick Coyne, who's you know the editor and his family owns it. And they're just great people. And uh, if you're like me, at some point you have so many copies of communication arts. It's like, I don't know what to do with these. Mm -hmm. And I'll give them to the students or donate them to something or recycle some. And I was thinking about it. And uh, just two weeks ago, I, I went from the digital-only version back to purchasing the magazine again. Mm -hmm. Because, you know why? Because I think it's a fantastic magazine. And, if, and I know that you can look at it online. But I know that research backs this up. It's a completely different experience looking at this beautifully printed piece of work. Yeah. It affects you differently. You memorize it differently. You intuit different things. Intuit differently. And they have their foundation has supported Link for so long. I want to support them as best I can. Yeah. And I want to so everyone out there, subscribe to Communication Arts. It's fantastic. It'll better you. And uh, they do good things in the world, so yeah. you should yeah. support them. Mm -hmm. good. Is there anything else you'd recommend people read to either follow or stay relevant or for inspiration? There's so much. I think mm -hmm. everyone's inspired by different things. I'm, I'm kind of beyond telling people, this is what you need to do. I, just, I, I, I have all kinds of hubris, but not in that vein. I make everyone who works with me full-time read The Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller. Just because it blows people's minds that I, I, I had given up comics as a kid. Then I, someone gave me a copy of that as an adult after mm -hmm. I graduated from PLU. And I was stunned by how cinematic and compelling it was. Yeah. And people think, ah, oh, comics, I know what comics are. Oh, that blew my mind. I mean, it changed the industry, obviously. And uh, I usually make them read like Franny and Zoe or Nine Stories by J.D. Salinger because those are terse little human stories. Yeah. And... Actually, at the core of most of the Catcher in the Rye, or J.D. Salinger thinks, I should say, is is a hope to do something, a hope for something better, even mm -hmm. amidst all the kind of gruff stuff on the outside. So, oh. Do you feel like having the people you work with read common things like that helps center them as a team? 
Probably. It probably just gives them more fodder to make fun of me, which, <laughs> you know, that's that's the aim of any team that works with a boss, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, and that's one, one of the reasons why I was asking you about uh, so much of the uh, organizations you've worked with by choice is um, kind of one of the things we've often been struggling is finding, trying to find what you actually care about, you know, and like, how do you want to spend that time? Um, Cause it's really interesting when you get the freedom to do whatever you want all of a sudden, you know, cause when you're working for other people, it, it's, it's actually a lot more defined in some ways. It's but, easy. But then They're all parameters. This, yeah. As soon as you get a blank canvas, it's, uh, designers especially have difficulty with that. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I, why I like the link program. You, mm-hmm. you have an artist talk about their work for 10 minutes, 10 minutes to describe what students are going to do for the next three hours. And the high school students are ripping it up immediately. <laughs> and all the professional designers, if they choose to try the workshop are looking going, hmm, maybe I'll do 20 thumbnails then I'll refine them. And, you know, if, if they actually follow through, they don't even get to a, a something to create by the time it's done because yeah. there's too much process in their way. Yeah. And, and the naivete and, and enthusiasm of a high school student just starts pouring out all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's some weight and truth in that. So it's, it's always a, a reminder and an inspiration. Yeah. Thank you again, Terry, for, uh, for coming in and uh, greatly appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Nice to meet you, Chad. Thanks for having me and JP. This is Design School is recorded at the KPOU studios. For additional information about each episode, visit thisisdesign.school. The intro music for This is Design School is Electronic Nostalgic, composed by Paul Tyen and published under the Creative Commons on SoundCloud. We'd love to hear what you like, what you don't like, and what you want to hear on the show. Join us on Twitter at JP Avila and at Chad P. Hall. Also, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. And share us with your designer friends. Bye for now. <laughs>